If you found our methodology, podcast, and general view on sales performance intriguing, you may find this offer very interesting. And as you know, we don't do them often. Before I share what the offer is, here's three brief questions I'd like you to consider. Number one, do you want to take your prospecting to the next level without being that guy who struggles with solicitation confidence and boundaries? Two, do you want to know exactly how to build trust with people in a way that compels them to want to spend time with you? Three, do you want to build an outreach cadence and routine that will help you succeed in a hyper-changing business environment? If yes to any of these questions, join Lapa 180 in our new four-part webinar series that starts February 15th, 2023. Go to lapa180.com slash webinars to learn more about this special series. I'm Pam Evanson. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Pam, I have a topic. Okay. I'm going to say it's called the gift of disappointment. Okay. (laughs) Let me give you a little background of why I thought this would be a very relevant discussion or topic for our listeners. What I've noticed lately, especially on social media, now I'm not on a ton of platforms, like I'm not on TikTok, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not even on Facebook, right? But I do pay attention to LinkedIn, every now and then Twitter, and then there's the news, Okay. And we now have woke news, as you know. I feel as if there's this permeating or this this philosophy that's building momentum about parents protecting their children from experiencing disappointment. Okay. I've read about sports events for children, school events. Parents calling in the schools, not wanting award ceremonies because not everybody did well and they didn't want their children to feel disappointment. I mean, I don't know if maybe if it's just me, but I keep reading about it and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I think disappointment's a gift. If I look back on my experiences, my life is full of disappointments, but I've gotten better And as I look at my own kids, I think the biggest gift I can give my kids is their ability to embrace a disappointment. But just think about it, right? When you raised your children, did you want them to shun disappointment? Did you want them to run from it and not challenge themselves? Or did you want them to embrace it, test themselves and develop that thing that we all call resolve? Resolve resilience. Absolutely. And I do feel like it is a, it is again, a skill that instead of developing, it's almost like we're making sure it doesn't exist. This skill of resolve, learning to deal with disappointment and building your resilience. I agree. So I think a lot of people, and I know I've been there too, where when we get disappointed, we look at disappointment, there's an emotional factor to it right? There's a feeling factor. 
I think the best way to look at disappointment is it's a data point. Okay. What do you mean by that? When we're disappointed, it's because we had an expectation. Let's just start there. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Fair. Sometimes that expectation's internal within us, and sometimes that expectation's external, and the expectation comes from others around us. And when we disappoint ourselves, it feels like a shortcoming, right? It feels like we weren't good enough. It starts to generate that self-doubt. And any kind of feeling like that, right, there's emotion to it. And we get caught in that emotion. Well, I don't want to feel that way again, right? So I'm going to avoid doing that again. Or I'm going to reconsider my path and maybe choose a different path. Emotion drives us to pull back, I think, when we feel disappointment. Because we don't want to feel like we let ourselves down or let somebody else down. But I think if we can learn to... remove some of that emotion and we're not going to be perfect, but if we can learn to remove the emotion to the best of our ability and look at it as a data point slash learning experience, I think the idea of disappointment becomes very different. You're right. We could go a million different ways on this topic. You know, my old boss, Dan, very well. And one of the questions he would ask me every week is how many times did you fail this week? And he wanted a certain number of times that I had put myself in a position where I failed. Now, Dan, what I really liked about, well, I didn't like any of it for quite a while, but what I liked about it is he wasn't doing it as a gotcha or a lesson. He was doing it so that, number one, I would learn get tougher, build that resilience, learn to deal with disappointment without allowing it to crumble me. But he always would say, to your point about the parenting, I want you to, I'm here. It doesn't matter. I'm okay if you really upset this client or prospect. I will have your back if they call me and tell me that was a terrible meeting with Pam. We can't believe the presentation. He said, I'm okay with whatever happens. I want you to fail. And And he would force me, Dan, until I got used to it, putting me in positions where I had to experience disappointment and it wasn't allowed to go perfectly. And it's funny that you talk about this gift of disappointment because I do feel like we're trying to create this culture of let's make sure we don't feel it and let's make sure we're striving towards perfection, which is so not what we want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, when I look at being a dad, that's one view that I have. And sometimes that is my initial view. That is my priority. Obviously, that's a role that I play. And I look at my kids, I don't want to hide them from disappointment. I want them to go experience it. I want them to try out for a team, right? I want them to try to join a club. I want them to test themselves with certain colleges as they apply, right? All those things go into it. I want them to go and build relationships with people challenge themselves because along the way, 
they're going to experience disappointment, but most importantly, they're going to learn how to handle it, cope with it, learn from it. And then when I think about our clients, it's the same way. The difference though, I think with our clients, Pam, is obviously our clients, many of them are seasoned veterans of 15, 20, and 25 years. And a lot of times when the more experience we have, the less open we are to this thought of disappointment. And I think because of that, we end up, if we're not careful, and listeners, you have to ask yourself this based on where you are in your career trajectory. If we're not careful, do we subconsciously and consciously start to avoid change because it's uncertain and it's risky? And because it's risky, the risk is we could feel or experience disappointment because of a shortcoming. Does that make sense? Yes, but why do you think, because I agree, it is funny now that you, you talk about this, you would think it would be the opposite. The older somebody gets, the better they should be able to deal with disappointment and understand that disappointment is going to be a part of everyday experiences. So why do you think as we get older, we don't want to put ourselves in situations as much? Why do you think that is? Two things come to mind, and I'm not a psychologist by any means. The first thing that comes to mind is loss aversion. Okay. Right? Where the old adage, right? If you lose $100, you're probably going to feel three times worse about losing the 100 versus if you gain the 100, right? We tend to do that as human beings. So, as a tenured, experienced professional, I think we can risk the loss aversion bias of, hey, I don't want to look like a fool. I got 20 years experience. I don't want to risk that. Everybody thinks I'm really good at what I do. And I built a reputation and a brand for being really good at what I do. I don't want to risk disrupting that reputation by experiencing a mistake or a failure where I didn't get something right. And so we end up focusing way more on not getting it right versus the mindset shift of, well, wait a minute, I am really good at what I do. I have built a really good reputation and a brand, but you know what? I want to test myself and see if I can add to it, see if I can add another level to my reputation by challenging myself in this area. And we don't spend much time thinking about that. And do you think that's because we develop these egos that don't allow us to do that anymore? Yeah, I mean, it's a big word, ego. My head goes to pride. Why don't you share a little bit more on that? Well, exactly to what you were talking about, the older I get and the more, you know, if I'm a sales professional and I'm really good at what I do and I am put up on a pedestal by my peers, I start to develop this ego. I am absolutely really good at what I do and other people are going to know it. They're going to feel it. They're going to hear about it. So why would I ever put myself in a position where that could be questioned? Versus, as you know, Dan, what we talk about is understanding that your level of success is determined on the behaviors that you demonstrate to other people, your integrity, your ethics, and your ability to show people that you can and want to evolve. You want to put yourself in situations where, to your point, I can look at disappointment as a gift still at the age of 50 or 60 or 70. 
I like that. I never thought about it that way until you brought that up this morning. Well, let's look at the positives of it. I think there's more positives than negatives. On the gift of disappointment, I would absolutely agree with that. So like even for our listeners, right? Think about the last time you were disappointed on some kind of result, some kind of outcome, all right? You had an expectation that you were going to create something or experience something or achieve something based on your efforts. Expectation, that's okay. And then you got attached to that expectation, all right? And it didn't happen. But here's what did happen. Taking the action that was required to try to create, achieve, or experience that new expectation took courage. So you showed courage. You showed courage on betting on yourself a bit more, stretching yourself. I like that. Very true. Two, you put yourself in a learning position where, no, you didn't achieve what your expectation was, but you had new learning. You had new experiences along the way that you can go back on now and determine, do you want to make adjustments so that the next time you try, you've actually got some experience to build off of. So the learning is huge if you're willing to take a look at it. Yeah, that's a key word, willing to, as opposed to rationalizing, justifying, and making excuses why I don't need to or want to learn from this experience. You know, I've already talked about the courage piece, Pam, but it's also the courage to step outside your comfort zones. And I think the last gift that at least comes to my mind, there might be a lot more, and I'm sure there are is when I look back on my own disappointments, and there are many, both personally and professionally, it strengthens me each and every time. Yep, as it should. So it is, going back to how we started this conversation, disappointments are extremely powerful. The more expectations that we have, the more attached we become to those expectations, all right, the more significant the disappointment can be. But again, there's a ton of positives in that as well. I hope we're going to continue this conversation, Dan, and maybe we can also do something where we encourage the folks who listen to this podcast to give examples of how they have embraced disappointment and decided to harvest the insights and the learning to evolve themselves. I think it's a great idea. Hey, you know, for our listeners, if you think about disappointment, right? Disappointment, it could be something as simple as you spent 45 minutes on an email that you were going to follow up with a prospect on that was supposed to make a decision <laughs> to choose you. And after 45 minutes, you sent it. And three weeks later, you still haven't got a response. Yep. There's a flavor of disappointment. Absolutely. Right. Another flavor of disappointment was you decide, okay, my current network won't sustain the level of growth that I want to see in my business. So I need to start doing some more targeted outreach, maybe even a little cold calling type of targeted outreach. So I'm going to go ahead and commit to the fact that I'm going to reach out to a hundred prospects a week for the next eight weeks. And you get two appointments. If that. <laughs> yep. Eight weeks later, you get, we'll say, two appointments. A flavor of disappointment, right? I had a different expectation. 
Absolutely. You prep for a meeting. It's a finalist meeting. You got the team together. You've prepped. You've talked about roles. Who's going to talk about what? Who's going to ask what? Who's going to be the quarterback? Hopefully, you've also prepped as a team about your mindset and the team's mindset going into that conversation as well. And you go all the way through the conversation and the prospect looks at you and says, well, you've given us a lot to think about today. Why don't you give us a couple weeks and we'll let you know. And that's all you get. <laughs> you think that's disappointment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We can go on and on with the examples. But if you think about each example still, there's so much learning that you can pull from it. And in each one of those examples, the beautiful thing that you did do is you stretched a comfort zone, whether it was the outreach, right? Whether it was the email, whether it was how you prepped and the questions that you asked and how you handled yourself in that finalist meeting. There was stretching going on. There was discomfort going on. And it strengthened you. And so instead of pulling back, push forward. And I like the word courage. I do feel like maybe we have to start asking ourselves, even from the learning standpoint, all right, what would demonstrate a bit of courage based on the disappointment that I just, I love the finalist example one, you know, and if we continue to face that disappointment, do we have the courage to potentially enter into these conversations differently? If we know status quo tends to lead to a level of disappointment. So I like the word courage. I think we could also go down another rabbit hole on how we display courage in our conversations. Again, think about this way, listeners. Disappointment is a moment in time. It's an emotional moment, but that's all it is. It's an emotional moment in time where you recognize that you didn't get the results that you wanted based on your efforts. Why would you ever let one single emotional moment in time hold you back? Well said. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of the podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. Go to contact us. You can also engage with us on LinkedIn at Dan Lappin or Lappin180.